podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, very relaxed. and gentlemen and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host Sai. This is the Danny Button Show episode number 25. We are talking last night's UFC. It's not going to be a really super long show today. We're just going to talk about the UFC from last night. Have a little chit chat. Um, First of all I will address the elephant in the room. Uh, It's only me and Danny uh, this evening. Uh, we were hoping well. Oban Elliott, Cage Warriors undefeated fighter, was going to join us. Um, unfortunately, he had to pull out right at the last minute, which is a shame. But um, he's going to be joining us next week instead. Um, and all efforts to find someone last minute as a replacement were unfruitful, which is a shame. <laughs> but, you know, it's such is life. And, uh, yeah, so it's just my... We're going old school. Just me and Danny talking UFC <laughs> like the good old days. And uh, Danny is is laid on his bed, so I think <laughs> that the new podcast name should be "In Bed with Danny Button." I think. Hey, so I'm good. telling you, that's on that's on a lot of people's bucket list. That one. Well, there you go, mate. That's, <laughs> that is, I think that's a cracking name for a podcast. I Open to all comers. Style. Excuse the pun. Oof. <laughs> Oof. But yes, that was uh, former Cage Warriors champion. UK MMA legend, Mr. Danny Button, that you just heard there. How are you, mate? You okay? Yes, doing good, man. Yeah. Good week. Are we open to yeah, the yeah. business this week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, still waiting in regards to the gym, but, um, you know, uh, there's there's some strict criteria for pro athletes to train, so that's kind of, you know, looking good and, and looking up for us. Indeed. Um very enjoyable UFC show last night, actually. Some, uh, yeah, uh, I very much enjoyed it. It had, um, it had all sorts going down. Um, some really good fights, some quick fights as well. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so the, um, the, the prelim, the first three fights of the night were literally, um, it's the first time ever that the first, ti- first three fights of a UFC event uh, mm-hmm. all ended within one minute. The total, yeah, craziness. Uh, total fight time for the three fights, first three fights of the night, were 113 seconds, which is yeah, like that is unbelievable, really, when you think of it. Um, yeah, do that, you don't see that very often. No, so obviously we normally focus on the main card, but um, seeing as the the prelims were so ridiculously quick, um, but also obviously without Oban, we've there's only the two of us talking about it, so we're going to talk about the prelims as well as the, the main card. Um, but what were your overall thoughts of just the, the show generally? Yeah, yeah, no, I've, I've actually thought it was really good. Um, you know, okay, so it's lacking a few of the top, top tier names, but it, it didn't disappoint regards to performances. Um, I think there's some really good, interesting matchups. Um, and like we've already just covered, you know, there were some, some fast finishes, which, you know, it's always exciting to see whether they're knockouts or submission. You know, they're always exciting to get some coverage on. So, yeah, a, a nice mixed bag for the night. I, I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, Gaz says there, disappointing though, old Barney was looking forward to him. OG style, he was Cy and the legend. And uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, Peaches says, uh, hope you're all good. Women's lower card fights were badass. I thought the women's lower card fights were very, very good, actually. Yeah, I enjoyed them. Yeah, it was really good stuff. And uh, Rai, who's got his own YouTube channel there, says thanks for sending questions because uh, he had Andy Campbell on his channel earlier. Um, okay, so we'll start with the prelims. Um, so we started off the evening with uh, Christian Aguilera defeating Anthony Ivey via TKO strikes at 59 seconds of the first round. Um, look, you know, there's not a great deal to, to break down. It, it is what it is, isn't it? But I mean... Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they just started out fast. And uh, the thing is, uh, although they, um, you know, started out like that, uh, you know, they both had really tight form. But at the beginning, you know, you can just get caught. It's just one of those things that can happen. But you can't take away from the fact that, you know, it's just part of the, part of the thing, isn't it? What, what do you do? do you, you can't so, shell up. You can't just footwork around and, and just and disengage. That That's always the risk. Yeah, Paul Felder made um, an interesting point. He said he, he wondered a couple of times whether the, the difference in size of the octagon made a difference to how people were approaching the fights. And I think mm. that's an interesting concept because I believe that octagon in the, the Apex uh, training facility, I think it's a bit bigger. Um, right. Obviously, so they can split it into sections when they're doing drills, probably, so people yeah. can, you know, more than one pairing can work at the same time, sure. I would assume. Um, but also then you've got the lack of crowd, smaller venue in terms of, like, yeah. there's no seats and stadium. So there's all these things which, you know, obviously go into how an appro- a fighter approaches the fights. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll, uh, you know, we'll see. It was... Um, it was a fun show, and uh, I enjoyed it. But, yeah, Aguilera, um, he just caught him with a just really big two-punch combination following. Again, yeah. He caught him, didn't he, just above the, the ear, and then he kind of followed it up in the referee. Once he caught him with that first shot, he kind of huddled up quite quick. Um, yeah. Which is kind of interesting because the initial shot, which he backed away from, it didn't look like a huge – when you consider some of the shots we saw last week – some of the shots yeah. you see later in the night, it didn't look that you know that, but you just don't know, do you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it, it it can hit you at different areas uh, around your face or head, and different people react different ways. And um, but sometimes you know when it's so early on, um, getting caught like that um, just seems to knock you more dizzy than when you've sort of like got your groove into a fight and you skimmed off a few shots. You've got to remember as well, right at the beginning, you're going to have full rigidity in any of those shots. And, and so maybe that sort of like adds adds to it as well. Um, you know, one of the things that we do uh, quite often is we do a lot of nogi grappling rounds before we step in and do our MMA rounds. And that, that way we've noticed that there's been a lot less injuries. But if you stick people in a refresh, you're more likely to get get those um, unfortunate cuts and um, people getting knocked dizzy and so on and so forth. So I think it's um, I think it's just the way it is on the fight night, you know. Um, but in, in terms of how we do our training we try and do our training where we try to take the little sting out of the towel so to speak um so people can train a little safer yeah it's, and you know a lot of these fighters as well are coming in with not a great deal 
of training. You know, they might they've probably done a lot of fitness, but some of them, you know, haven't done that much in terms of sparring. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just don't know how that affects it. And um, the next fight yeah. was uh, Zarko Adeshev versus Tyson Nam. Um, I thought Tyson Nam, the way he finished this fight, was really impressive. Um, yeah. Gaz, Gaz says in the comments that he is. Uh, it looked really, you know, like a bad KO because he KO'd him whilst, you know, off the off balance from a le- from a leg kick. Um, yeah. He received the leg kick and then as he reacted and kind of checked it late, he threw a I think it was a right hand um, and just knocked him clean out. And then yeah, I think, it, I think it, it landed quite low on the face from 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 what I can tell. I'm trying to look at the replay of it now. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he just punched it down down the centre there, and it just hit right low on the jaw. Um, the you know, he, it was a proper KO because the guy's arms went rigid. Um, he was yeah. proper sleeping there. Do you reckon um, he's been a little bit quicker because he nails him again when he's unconscious? And you yeah, know, which, which you know, fighters they've got to do that um, to to make sure because if you let the fighter recover and then he the ref doesn't stop it. It's, it's yes yeah, for the ref to step in. Last week we saw those walk off KOs by um, yep. Cody Garbrandt and Sugar uh, Sugar, and you know Tyson Nam could have walked off, couldn't he? But yeah, yeah. Well, if you have a look, um, if you look at the slow mo, he, he he sort of lands, but it's not really got his eyes open. So I, f- I think he connected, um, and perhaps wasn't sure whether he's just you know knocked over rather than knocked out. Um, and he just quickly followed. He only really landed one other, um, you know, meaningful strike on the ground. Because um, it, it did look like um, he was trying to sit up. You know, you've got to try and think in perspective that it's his split se- second decisions from, from a fighter's perspective as well. It does look like he tries to sit up. But, um, you know, I just think it was just instincts coming, you know. He's just, he's just trying to make sure of the result. Uh, you know, it wasn't an ugly affair by by any stretch. You know, it was one one punch knocked down, and then okay, he followed up with one punch, but the ref was quickly in. I think it was all good. Yeah, Dashev is quite an experience as a guy. It was his fourth fight. Yeah, a fourth fight in MMA, not just the UFC. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know Tyson Nam is had about I think 30, 31 fights overall. Um, yeah, it's quite experienced. Fourth or, fourth or fifth though in the UFC, so he, sure. he was perhaps a bit more equipped mentally to deal with the you know fighting in the ufc however yeah you know it's a 32 second fight um and yeah the third of the, the the incredible starts of the show was uh julia avelia versus gina uh manzani and uh julia defeated her via ko strikes um i would say this was arguably the the most one-sided of the three quick finishes uh, yeah rang one like uh, Gina did nail uh, one or two early shots and she looked quite good. Yeah. Like her form was good, her balance was good and you thought, oh, here we go because then all of a sudden Julia started coming forward, nailed her a couple of times and she just didn't, as soon as she got hit once, uh, Gina Mazzani, she didn't look yeah. like, that was, that was it, it was game over. Yeah, she. So this is one thing you should never do, one thing you should definitely never do and that's turn side on to your opponent and uh, she fetled up and turned her head to the side. Um, you're just going to get power driven to the side of the head. And it looks really negative for the ref as well. So, you know, it makes it look like you're quitting without actually holding your hands up and waving it off or being able to tap. It actually looks like you're, 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 you're sort of quitting and you may be injured. You know, if you're going to cover up and fetal, you at least want to be facing the opponent. 
definitely not going to the cage and, and um, turning to your side like that. It just looks too negative. Oh, 100%, man. It was, um, but super aggressive. I mean, you know, as short as these fights are, what you did see of it was was impressive. Tasted blood and, and went for the kill. Simple as that, really. And then the, the the main event, I guess, of the the prelims, certainly the best fight of the prelims, was uh, Mirab Dishvishdev. Yeah, just say that name. Uh, it's impossible. But uh, Mirab versus Gustav Gustavo, uh, should I say Lopez? Now this, what a fight! This was. Yeah, this uh, was this was a good. From start to finish. This was a good tear up. I mean, overall, it, it was pretty much you know one sided initially. But um, uh, but it was a really good performance uh, by uh, Mirab. Uh, I, I I just really enjoyed this one. Um, there there was kind of lots going on. Um, it both of them showed a little bit. Looked like inexperienced. Maybe it was the nerves of being on the UFC. Uh, I don't know. They looked a little rigid. Uh, some of the timing was off a little bit. But that uh, Gustavo, um, as much as he was on the receiving end for a lot of it, wasn't he resilient? Um, there was one point where you saw a scaffold, which is really rare. Um, in MMA anyway. Um, you know, it's a bit of an old school move, but still legit, you know, it still has its place in MMA. And um, then when he stuffed the arm, you hear him shout out. Uh, I think Merab actually thought that he had got it and nailed it. He had his arm in between his legs with the scaffold, trying to put that repressive choke on and with the arm. And um, he shouts out, but no, Christopher has um, other things. He wants to stay in the fight and uh, show that he's in there. Um, and in there to try to come back for the win. So that really did impress me. Although he was on the receiving end for much of uh, the performance, um, it really impressed me how he stayed in there and stayed positive that he could still pull something off. And he had a couple of attempts at guillotines. Um, because uh, Mirab was um, using his strikes and going in with the shoot so often, um, a couple of times his head was a little low and a couple of scramble-ups, he did get his head stuffed a little bit. Mm. But Mirab's wrestling was so good, he was so aware he just shrugged it off um, and kept those top positions. But the shoots, they come more often as the fight progressed. And they really impressed me because they were so deep. He was shooting in so deep on the on the double and, and scoring knee tap takedowns as well. Um, yeah, really impressive. It would be nice to see how Harry does, does against um, someone with a little bit more of an impressive record and um, still whether he looks just as convincing. Yeah, um, Mirab, both these guys actually are very, very good in the wrestling. Yeah. Um, and I think that was why you said they were a bit rigid and maybe a bit nervous. I think it was that they were yeah. conscious of the other's skills. Sure. Um, and I think that was probably the main reason why they were yeah. kind of a bit, uh, you know, standoffish at first. But um, Mirab is sensational, in my opinion. Yeah, he... he's, I think he's top 50, top 15, top 10 fighter. Uh, yeah, quite possibly so, you know. Incredibly unlucky to be... Uh, mm. No longer unbeaten because his one loss was a split decision, I believe, or and yeah. it was a bit of a dodgy decision as well. Um, right. And I think he's, you know, he's certainly better than fighting on the prelims of a. You know, sure. You know, without being disrespectful of a show like this, you know, which was lacking of big names. Um, yeah. You know, he should have been maybe in the top part of the card. Yeah, yeah. Sport, he, but... he he looks really physically strong, doesn't he? He's um. Oh, well built up on the upper arm and shoulders and nearly all the movements that he gave and did uh, were all with a lot of tenacity. 
So clearly the guy, you know, trains really, really hard. Not to say any of the athletes don't, but you can tell that there's real solid work ethic in his training process because he looked so strong and had so much energy. Uh, even when he had dominant positions, it was kind of like um, overexpending the energy, so keen to, to get to work on his opponent. Um, yeah, and, and just like to reiterate, really, I would like to see him up against uh, a little little better opponents on the main card um, and see how he performs there. And um, yeah, this, this guy's moving up. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I um, mm. uh, here's an interesting comment for you, Dan. Uh, Gaz says, "Would Danny consider a charity dust-up with Andy Campbell, promoted by Ace Podcast Nation?" <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. I'll have to. I'll ask Andy the same question tomorrow. Probably, <laughs> and he'll say no. But it's for charity, yeah. Charity. Yeah, it's for charity. Good suggestion, Gaz. So I'll follow on from that, Dan. If someone offered you big money now for a fight, like a comeback fight, would you take it? Uh, yeah, but not against a young lad. Um, I did get asked a couple of years ago. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. They asked me to fight now, but he was like, come, I think, approaching 39, something like that. And um, and I would have been around about 44. Um, and it was to be on Bama. And, um, okay. you know, I, I, I would say yes to someone around my age group, but I couldn't get the kind of training in um, to to compete against these youngsters, they're so sharp now, and um, the levels moved on as well. Um, you know, in the comfort of my own gym, and uh, uh, people coming down just for a spa for a single round, I could still step in there with with good level guys. But you know, three three rounds with someone, you know, hitting you know, around their early thirties or in their twenties, oh, Christ, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I just I am realistic to to the fact that I am older. Um, yeah. But that said, you know, I, it's such an addictive feeling being in there. Um, and you know, I would get in there with someone, like I say, you know, they've got to be over 40 years old and then I would consider it. But certainly no comeback to work at a career. And I don't think any promotion would have me in that stretch. So, <laughs> um, But as a one off, I might I might consider doing something like that. Never say no, I think is the motto, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Or never say never. <laughs> So I said, James says Andy might have a chance with all the Costa coffee he drinks. This is because he's nonstop. Uh, right. Andy's got nonstop coffee in his hand. Um, <laughs> just going back to Murab, I think um, like what impressed me not just his, you know, his grappling, his wrestling skills. They're obviously you know world class, like we know that. But it's the speed of the transitions and the speed of mm. thought and movement between each uh, position and. He's like three three steps ahead, even of a guy like uh, Gustavo Lopez, who's a very high level guy in that mm. respect, and he was no match whatsoever. No, no, he, he he was being beaten in all arenas. Really, um, he was getting outgunned on the feet, um, definitely getting out wrestled. Um, I don't know what the final stats was on takedowns, but it's pretty impressive takedown ratio. Um, you know, you can't just can't take nothing away from the kid. It was a, a a near perfect performance, you know, he, he wasn't really on the receiving end of anything that Gusfo could, could uh, sling at him. Although you know, he was always in there, you know, that this, you know, we can't take uh, no disregard to Gustavo. He, you know, he was always in there. He was always coming forward. He was definitely a, a, a valiant effort on his part, but Merrick was just a, another league above. He's definitely top 15 uh, and maybe higher than that, but you know, he just needs to prove that case by, by getting a better matchup. Well, not a better matchup, but getting a higher level matchup. Yeah, bigger name. I think, ironically, 
if um, <clears throat> if he hadn't had that one loss on his record, which he probably didn't deserve, yeah, um, he probably would have had a big fight on this card. But that loss yeah. meant that he had to kind of rebuild his, reprove himself. His, that's a shame. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the, he's a, an incredible talent, an incredible actor. Yeah, definitely so. I really would like to see him get a good, good big name in the next fight and see if, you know, see if his skill set holds up against that top level guy because I believe yeah. that it will. It, but it, until you it's really, it, you just don't know. It's really just to see, you know, when, you know, not very rarely at this level do you have a performance where you're you're the one just putting it on the other very rarely um so it would be nice to see where you know where part of the rounds maybe don't go in his favor how he goes about adjusting to that to see what his really you know his overall fight iq is and um how well his camp trains him yes so next up was uh maria agapo Ag- agapova versus uh hannah hannah Stephers. Uh, I thought yeah. Agapova was exceptionally impressive. And she and looks so much bigger. Yeah, was that's incredible. the... Yeah, I mean, I really rate uh, um, Sivas. She's you know, really, really good. Um, but she just looked too small. She just looked too small. And um, you get a feeling that um, Agapova um, felt the size presence over her. And um, it's almost like she just didn't respect what might come back. Uh, and she just looked like she knew she was going to put her away if she just kept her foot down. Um, really, really impressive. What can you say? I mean, uh, I don't want to take anything away from her by saying that Sivers was just too small for her, but that has to be kind of taken into the into account as well. Um, I, I think this was the main issue there. I think Sivers has got the skill sets, but she just did not have the size. She looked overwhelmed in there. Um, it was kind of... You know, sad to see Sivas struggle so much in there the way she did. Uh, but what can you do? You know, this girl's what not just gone nine and one now. You know, she looks like she's going to become a real contender in there, and we need this. You know, the women's divisions are a little bit more sparse than men's, as we know. Um, but there is new talent coming through, and this is another one that's uh, coming through that looked like she could mean business in the next coming fights. Yeah, I think so. It's um, the finish was obviously beautiful. Um, yeah, the way she when she smelt blood and she connected with the kick, or and she she hit it with a couple of knees, and the way yeah. she got on her back and transitioned into the choke uh, was it was a very nice back take. Yeah, it was very very good. Yeah, it it all started. I like the way she blended everything. She blended her striking. She got Sivers on the back foot. She uh, got the clinch. She got on her back, and it was just clinical. It was like an MMA drill. Um, you know, sometimes we do MMA drills where you know, we do a sequence um, and it was almost like that. It was like a sequence from the feet, landing that lovely head kick um, into a clinch, back take, choke, done, dusted. You can tell this was um, in a regime. Um, it was just automatic pilot for her. Oh, yes. Um, I just noticed in the chat there that um, Andy Campbell is now in the house. He says, uh, good evening, fellas. Great show, as always, uh, Si and Danny. But, Andy, you missed out. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can't rewind. So, uh, Gaz, in the comments, said, uh, <laughs> would Danny consider a dust- charity dust-up with Andy Campbell promoted by Ace Podcast Nation? And Danny said yes. So, uh, so Andy, the, the ball's in your court, you know. Ex-footballer versus ex MMA champion of the world seems like a fair fight. 
<laughs> raise a bit of cash. But uh, yeah, um, a couple of people have said my microphone's, my volume is a little bit low. Can you let me know if that's better? I've just changed something. Can you hear me all right, Dan? Yeah. Um, yeah, I did notice. I didn't know whether it's because I just, um, we did it at the gym last time, didn't we? And I was really struggling um, uh, to hear, but there was a lot of background noise being, you know, the, the gym is uh, mm. it's quite a big, vast space. So it was a little harder to hear anyway, I think. But definitely your mic's been a little bit more quiet recently. Yeah, I'll have to unplug it all and check it all again. I won't do it now. Sounds, uh, sounds all right at the minute. Cool. Andy says, uh, would he go easy on me? Um, well, of course I would. Charity. Charity. <laughs> You've got to drag it out a bit, haven't you? Yeah. I want it to be like what these were like with the all over in 60 seconds. That would be <laughs> shocking. Um, and then we had uh, Jordan Espinosa versus Mark De La Rosa. Ah, uh, uh, okay. De La Rosa, yeah, that was interesting. This was an interesting one, a flyweight fight uh, with Espinosa taking it by unanimous decision. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take us through this Just one, recall. Dan. I said, we'll do this one round by round because it went all the way. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, the, uh, now... Uh, Espinosa really impressed me with his speed and athleticism, his, his sharpness. Um, he never had to do anything super complex. He, you know, um, he, he wasn't even having to faint. This guy was just so quick, a really decisive speed difference. And um, that impressed me really from, from, from the get-go. And you can see that he built confidence with this. Um, he, he seems to just be able to land singles and doubles Um and I was a little confused by uh, Mark De La Rosa's uh, strategy in that first round as well. He held on to that single leg, didn't he? And he just held it, even though he was getting hit all over. But, you know, when he went back to his corner, they discussed it. And he said he didn't want to burn out and get tired. But, you know, he, he perhaps wasn't getting hit as bad as what we were thinking. It certainly wasn't hitting him in the face because he looked really unscathed. And they was really racking up the strikes on him, wasn't he, in the clinch, um, elbows and all. But he must have just been hitting him all around the side of the ear because, um, you know, his face was unscathed. He, he still looked pretty fresh when he came out for that second round. But it's still, nevertheless, it's an odd strategy because you're, you're, you're le literally letting your opponent score on you. He had hold of that single leg. He had it up and he, he didn't try and do anything with it. Now, I know Espanyolza was using um, a knee shield. But, you know, with the knee shield, you've got two choices. You have taken them um, as it would have been for him. Uh, when he was using the knee shield, it would have been on his left hip. So you have take him over to your left if it's a deep knee shield. Well, that was a, a shallow knee shield he was using. So he had a lot of his foot. Um, coming out to the side of his left hip, in which case you throw them forward um, and attempt to, to go on the back. He didn't transition for any of those, which left me a little confused. Um, I mean, if he was picking up that single and it was uh, and making him not be hit, I could understand him holding on to it. But the fact that Mark De La Rosa was holding on to it and receiving strike after strike was a little baffling because you know, hitting, uh, being hit it takes away from your cardio too. Although you're not the one um, you know, uh, expending the energy, being hit gets tiring, trust me. It's, it's, it's not a nice feeling, but he come out feeling okay. So maybe he knew something we didn't. Um, but, you know, it, it lost the round and it lost the round big. Um, yeah. yeah, not not a good start for Mark De La Rosa there. He, he had to go back to his corner and have a rethink and try and come out with a different game plan for sure. Yeah, we talked a lot about, you know, over the, the weeks about fight IQ and um, mm. maybe he should have, you know, he should have done something with it. Do you know what I mean? He should have yeah, he um, adapted. He should have, whether it's listened to his corner or whether it's, you know, for himself, 
He should have adapted his game plan. He should have reacted to what was going on. He didn't. Yeah. Well, you know, a good example is look at someone like Jack Shaw. Jack Shaw picks up a single like that and he's going to the double, back to single. Uh, it'd be on the hip to your back. It'll be all over the place. But this guy picked it up and held it. It was the first round. So it's not like he wouldn't have had the energy to try and attempt um, uh, some transitions from there. Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit baffled on that one. Yeah, the, yeah. So the first round, do you get, I think we both agree that Espinosa took that one. Yeah. Um, well, John, uh, John in the comments just said that it, uh, he didn't adapt at all uh, in his game. No, you know, he just just kept going with the same thing. And they say that you know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Um, sure, sure. Um, what yeah. do you make of round two? Uh, round two, um, he did a little bit better. Um, you know, he was definitely trying to um, switch it up. He actually come with his first actual flurry, which actually scored a little bit um, on Espanol. But, you know, it, it was flurries, but not flurries enough. It was, he was still getting steadily out point, uh, pointed. He did do another takedown attempt, which was to no avail. Um, and it was really the same thing, really. It's just uh, Espanol was just looking sharper, um, looking faster, more athletic. And also confident. You know, he, he had a good confidence build in that first round. Um, and it continued um, in the second round. But it was nice to see De La Rosa at least um, try and pick up his game and was maybe trying to feel out, trying to find a hole in uh, Espanyol's game. But um, he didn't find it in that second round, unfortunately. He did have a little success with his flurry, like I said, but he just needed more of it. Indeed. Um, I gave yeah the second round to Espinosa again. Um and I even the third round again, I you know I felt I thought uh, whilst uh, De La Rosa got better in the second and third round, I felt like yeah. Espinosa overall was yeah well stronger. you know what was a really this is again impressed me again with Espanol. He started to take uh, De La Rosa down because De La Rosa adapted and changed and knew that he had to come out hard and fast in that third round to stand a chance of uh, not bringing back the fight his way in terms of the decision. But he knew he had to try and stop him. He knew he was two rounds down. And he did respond. And then he went at him um, so much so, but it made it obvious for Espana to then counter that forward motion uh, by shooting in and scoring takedowns of his own um, and, and look really good there as well. Um, a really impressive performance by Espana. You know, you know De La Rosa is a, a tricky opponent, but he made pretty light work of him overall. He really did. Yeah, you know, De La, uh, De La Rosa is no mug, is he? You know, and no. uh, Espinosa made it look fairly, fairly comfortable. I wouldn't say simple, yeah, yeah. but, he, you know, he was comfortable throughout. His game plans were fairly simple. Um, there was nothing over complex what he did. He was just a sharper, more physical guy. Um, but what did impress me was the fact that he changed up his strategy. He went from someone that was trying to stay on his feet and stay sharp to then have De La Rosa adapt and change in that third round to try and chase him down, trying to hit more flurries, which is exactly what he should do. But it seems like either um, a Spaniel as a fighter or his coaches suggested, hey, look, he's going to come at you now, get underneath him and get those takedowns and, and squash his attacks. And he did exactly that. And it was impressive to see. Yes, indeedy. Uh, next up was uh, Andre Feely versus Charles Jourdain. Ah, uh, uh, no, this really, was a good fight. This was a really, really exceptional fight. And I really very close. It. I really enjoyed it. Very, very well matched. Uh, this is great matchmaking. Um, you know, both looking similar uh, physically as well. Um, you know, both 
rangy looking strikers. Um, and boy, did they, everything they threw was with real intent, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it looked really harsh. Now, um, Jordan really impressed me. In, um, he was uh, being southpaw opposite stance and he was really stopping Philly's cross hand coming through by keep on hacking him to the body and to the head with that round kick. Um, it looked like he even damaged his arm. It, it looked like it was getting quite swollen. And he's really impressing me. And so I, I edged it for Charles uh, Jordan in that first round. It just seemed a little bit more precise. Um, Philly was definitely the stalker, definitely the one that was um, seeming like he was a slight bigger man, maybe a little slightly more powerful. But um, but Philly was just getting connected on uh, a little bit more crisper than than Philly was connecting on Jordan. You're still there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's, oh. uh, I'm still listening. I'm just. I didn't know whether you froze. My... No, no. I'm trying to fiddle with my audio on the Facebook stream for some reason. On Facebook, it seems to be quiet at my end. Um. Yeah, yeah. I'm still there. I used to. Have... Yeah, that. Sorry. I just I did that first round. How I saw that first round. Yeah, yeah. yeah I gave it to Jordan. Um. Yeah, yeah. Just... I, I just think he was a little, little bit sharper than Philly. Um, although Philly was the one really pressing um, and that did impress me. He was re really coming forward. Um, yeah, uh, there, there was, um, oh, which way around was it? Kicks in this fight, though, yeah. From both yeah, there was a knockdown. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Jordan. Uh, he got the knockdown, didn't he? He got yeah, the knockdown. knockdown. And then Philly come back really with that. Well. He did. He recovered really well, scored that takedown. But that takedown for me was a, a little bit too late in the round to take it back off Jordan. Um, but nevertheless, it was it was good to see that, you know, he's got a good chin, kept his uh, wits about him and was able to get on the back and do that takedown. And, and I think that's what ended up becoming the issue for Jordan. Um, Philly was just a little bit thicker set up the top of the body, a little bit taller. And um, I think he f physically matched him um, with his techniques. Uh, sorry, physically, um, technically matched him with his techniques and, and his overall skill set, but was just slightly the bigger guy. Um, and I think this began to wear on uh, wear on Jordan. It was like he was hitting him with really nice stuff, but just couldn't seem to hurt Philly after that little first round bit that he had. Um, and then, of course, you start seeing some of the takedowns um, from Philly, um, which was really, really good. Exactly right thing to do. When it is a little close, you just never know how the judges are scoring it. And um, he started sneaking in those those takedowns to mix it up a little bit. And um, that was impressive to see. That goes to show that, he had his wits about him throughout the, each of the rounds. He had a sense of where it may or may not be. And if it was left close, he was taking it to the mat and to try to consolidate that round. And, and yeah, I, I like to see that. I like to see people being able to adapt um, on the job, so to speak. Oh, 100%, mate. And what I really, um, I really surprised me, I think, throughout this fight was the amount of these head kicks, which were connecting pretty clean, to the yeah. jaw, to the side of the head, to the back of the head, and both guys were just taking them, just taking them, yeah. not really not like flinching or stumbling. There was one or two, yeah. but like like you mentioned in that first round, Philly, he got knocked down from one of those head kicks, but then yeah. within probably 60 seconds after, he had not only recovered and got up, but then got a takedown of his own. It was That's right. an all-round enjoyable fight. Um, so I had the second round for Philly, 
Yeah, me too. The third round for Philly. Um, yeah, Philly started scoring those takedowns again. Um, and, and to me, that was just like edging. And the fact that he um, was the stalker most of the time, he was getting Jordan to circle on the outer fringes, although still being effective. He was working on the outer fringes and, and ended up on the back whenever it went to the mat. And um, yeah, that, that was going to edge it in the eyes of the judges and for, and for me personally. Okay, and then we had uh, Charles Rosa versus Kevin Aguilar. Uh, this one went to the full three rounds as well. Um, a split decision yeah. given to Charles Rosa. What yeah, this was a this one altogether? very, very difficult to score. Uh, you had Aguilera who was um, staying true to his form, uh, not really switching his stance or anything, um, mainly using his hands with a few kicks here and there. Um, uh, but um, Charles Rosa, uh, he, he was sort of being semi-effective with the kicks. Now, I think he's got like a karate background, hasn't he? But um, it didn't look like any of his kicks were like for the full contact arena. Um, he even looked awkward on a couple of the kicks that he threw. But they were kicked nevertheless, and, and it was all work rate. Um, the thing I did notice was how much he was changing stance. So you know, he'd be in Southpaw, he'd be back to Orthodox. And he was also doing a lot of step throughs, which we're seeing a lot more, particularly with sort of like the lighter weight guys, you're seeing them start in, say, orthodox stance and throwing their competitions uh, with a switch in the stance mid-combination. And we saw a hell of a lot of that from um, Charles Rosa. Um, it just uh, it just always looked a little um, not so coordinated as some of the pedigree strikers. That was the only thing. Not to overly criticise him because he did a good job with his striking, but it did look, so, look like he missed a lot. Um, it looked like he was a little bit awkward with his balance at times. And I wasn't over impressed with um, with his uh, kicking because you know he's really quite thick and athletic in the leg, and he looks like you know if he knew how to kick in a proper full contact way, you know he'd be quite devastating with him. But it never, yeah, he never looked on balance to do it, if you will. Yeah, I could I could see that for for sure. Um, I thought I thought Charles Rosa did enough to um, yeah to win it. I I really did. Um, the only thing I would say is he did look a bit panicked when they read the split decision. Um, yeah, he's had a couple go his way, go against him. But yeah, yeah, I thought he did enough, really. Um, yeah, no, I did. I did think he did enough. Push comes to shove, but you know, with the judging, we just never ever know. And that was one of those ones which was close enough for the judges to see it a different way to to how you know many others see it. Um, yeah, I, I, but you know, I wasn't. I just feel like they've both got a lot, lot to learn yet before they, they step up um, anywhere near that top 10. Um, I feel like they're both not going go back to the drawing board, but they need to add a little bit more experience into their game um, and keep improving yet. So, you know, I don't want to sound too down in the mouth with what I saw, but I just feel like they need to brush up a little bit to, to compete with some of the people that they're going to be competing against if they start notching up wins. Well, when you when you're talking the best of the best, isn't it? It's, yeah. Um, you've got to be on top of your game, and maybe they're not sure. quite there at the moment. Uh, yeah. Gaz says in the comments, he's clearly said he thought Charles Rosa looked quite panicked uh, when the decisions were read. Yeah, he uh, did. John thought that the Aguilera won. It's, uh, it was close. I thought Rosa yeah. did enough, though. Did enough. Yeah, th th I mean, th one of the main factors I give it to Charles Rosa is really for the fact that, you know, he, he was doing so much more kicking as well as hands. 
But, you know, Kevin Aguilera clearly had his successes because Charles Rosa was quite blooded at the end of it. And you know, Kevin Aguilera was quite unscathed. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a hard one. Like I say, I would have been completely draw dropped to have seen the decision go against Charles Rosa. I just felt like he did the more diverse work. He's the one that um, seemed to work harder throughout the whole fight and was trying to do many different varied things to try and get his combinations off. Um, whereas Kevin Aguilera was trying to stay, uh, trying to stay safer, and and hope that that tight form would would see him through to the start of something that perhaps could, could have led to more, but it didn't really happen. Although he had his connections, um, he wasn't able to hurt Charles with it. I think Charles he looked quite elusive initially, but Charles coming with his head up a little bit higher, maybe because of that step through um, stance attack that he did, going from orthodox to to, to southpaw as he was throwing those combinations. It made his chin drift up a little bit. So he kind of got kicked clean in the face a few times. So, you know, maybe, you know, that, that can also sway it for the judges when they see someone bloodied like that. Yeah, was it this one but, where in the third round, uh, right towards the end, he had, uh, he was just hitting him and moving and hitting him and moving and hitting him and yeah. moving. Just did like the last sort of two or three minutes of the fight. I yeah. I think it was this one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of footwork involved. There, there was a lot of footwork going on. So, like in that third round, you had uh, Aguilar really needed to push on, and all yeah. that Rosa was doing was hitting him and then move, staying away. Move, and he just yeah. gave him no, no real chance to get his hands on him. Yeah. No dirty boxing. Couldn't get anything going in the clinch. Couldn't take yeah. him down. Um, I thought that was really, really um, impressive because that showed. Again, we'll use the term. You know, great fight IQ. He mm. knew he'd won the fight. Uh, mm. You know, or he was confident that he had won the fight in the decision. So he just needed yeah, to make yeah. sure that he was still scoring, but also not putting himself at any risk, not taking any, you know, making any sure. silly mistakes. But yeah, yeah, it, it, you're you're right. In that third round, he was being more elusive, um, which can only make you suggest that he felt that he was two rounds up and trying to play it safe to the finish line. So I think that's why also why he was so shocked to hear one of the judges go against him. And I think he was thinking, what did I misjudge this or, well, um, but right, he got decision. It? Yeah. He seems like a good lad and um, I'm happy for him that he got the win. Uh, it'd be good to see him pr progress up, but th definitely got things to learn. Uh, so next up was the main event, which was uh, number one ranked Jessica. I, Versus number two ranked and uh, Cynthia Calvillo. Um, yeah. You know, I know that the UFC think very highly of Cynthia Calvillo. Um, in yeah. my opinion, and it's only my opinion, I don't think that this is a, a main event fight. Um, no. Okay. That's not to say that it was a bad fight. I, I just think as opponents, if it had been a co-main, or like an upper upper card fight, I yeah, know, I think that's fine. I just not sure it's strong enough to be a main event. Um, yeah, I think it was a main event. event. Sure, I think it's a main event though because they are some of the top contenders. Yeah. So that's why it had to kind of put, be put in place. Um, all the other ones were were nowhere near being in the top well, top ten even. Ranked number one, isn't she? Obviously, but Cynthia Campbell yeah, so, is number ten. So that would be why it's a main event. Yeah. Um, yeah that that would be why. I can kind of see it i think that maybe there's fighters out there that they could have put in that slot but you know all power to them um maybe yeah maybe so the ladies and i thought it was 
it was a pretty yeah, good Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I don't want to say I disagree because I don't want to sound like I'm I'm, I'm trying to discourage you, but I'm I think it was absolutely fine to stick them on as a, a main event. I think we should see more female bouts um, have place of oh, yeah, main 100%, 100%. event. I, yeah, but I'm not. I'm saying that I'm not, I'm not sure that this was the fight to put in. Yeah, yeah. No, I get I get what you're saying totally. But um, I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, it wasn't um, it wasn't full of loads of explosions or anything like that. Um, I do think Jessica I won that first round though, um, and you know, uh, I, I just felt like she was edging it for me um, on activity. You know, it was one of those rounds I wanted to go back and actually have a look at that first round again before I committed to it, but I didn't get time to. Um, you was really hurrying me up. <laughs> I know you like to be bang on time um, of late, but um, Cavillo looked like you know a work rate was a little bit off in that first round. Um, I was surprised she'd come out with a, a slower start as she did, but maybe it was a feeling out round, knowing that she had five to, to suss out her opponent. So that, that first round, I gave it to Jessica I. How did you see that first round? Yeah, I gave it to Jessica I. Um, I just felt like her work rate was higher. She did a little bit more. Um, she, I thought her footwork was really good in this first round as well. Yeah. I thought she, everything, she looked quite light on her feet. Her balance was good. Her strikes yeah. were clean. Um, I then gave all the following four rounds to Cynthia Calvillo. I think that once she settled, I just realised we missed out a fight as well. But we'll circle oh. back to that now. Is it Carl Robinson and uh, Mark? Ah, uh, yes, of course, yeah. But we'll circle back yeah. to that now. It's not a long one. Um, yeah, I guess so. I gave the first one to Jessica I. Uh, I thought she started pretty well. And yeah. then after that, second round, Cynthia Calvillo really settles in. And, uh, yeah, she put, she put on a bit of a clinic, mate. Yeah, she did. She did really well. Rankings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Cavallo shot in for a nice double, but um, Jessica, I defended it really nice with a bit of an old school double under pummel, with followed by knee. Um, and it looked like it was all going to go wrong uh, for Cavallo, but then she switched down and then did an outside trip to to get her down to the mat, and that really started to change the tide. I think that gave reinvigorated some confidence in her. Because she had the the remainder of that second round on top, and um, this just seemed to change. She seemed to have a spring in a step with a striking. It was still too close with the striking uh, for Cavallo to to just settle there. And I like it that she was introducing you know the constant harassment of of those takedowns, and she kept scoring it each round. And you know you're you're right. She did win every round after that first round because she adapted and changed. And unfortunately, Jessica I. She just didn't have the, the skill set set to change the adaptation um, that was coming at her, unfortunately. But, you know, she's still a, a good fighter in my that Jessica I. She'll take a lot from this um, from this fight. It wasn't a disappointing performance by any stretch, um, but she has to just have a little bit of under, a better understanding about stuffing that takedown and, um, and also pressing with her strikes a little bit more to take the energy out of someone who perhaps wants to take her down. Because Jessica, she looked bigger, didn't she? Um, oh, I felt yeah. like she had the physical size, um, but she just couldn't get into a situation where she could make that a, a problem for her opponent, unfortunately. The, um, the other thing, I think, as well, is um, look, Jessica I is rate, was ranked number one. Yeah. Um, if you're fighting the rank 10 fighter, I know anything could happen in fighting, but if it yeah. goes to a decision, the rank one fighter should be taking it, in my opinion. Yeah. Just generally. Obviously, yeah. there's exceptions to everything. A, a lot of people agree with that. Um, 
so I think you know Jessica I will be very disappointed. Uh, number two mm. ranked uh, Caitlin Chikagian tweeted out straight after the fight, or maybe even during the fight, that she'd like to fight Cynthia Calvillo. And you know, let's face it, whether she's ranked ten or whatever, if she goes and beats Caitlin Chikagian to take yeah. the being beaten the ranked one and two fighters, then mm. she's got to be getting a title shot. Um, yeah, absolutely. John says in the chat, uh, he disagrees with me, he says that uh, Cynthia's all-round game means that she's got so much potential, that's why she's main event in the card. So there you go. Yeah. I will agree with you, Dan. First time <laughs> for everything, mate. First time for everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, I thought uh, Cynthia Calvillo took every round uh, after that. And, and she yeah, she all, did. Uh, get, you know, uh, John there. She was... Put it quite well. She, her all-round game was very, very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was still making it close on the feet, but for the fact that it's close on the feet, right, you try and steer it, you press them against the fence and try and score there to try and show you're trying to find another way to stand out. You don't leave it just to be um, close for close sake. You, you always try to win around. There's something I'll drum into my students. If it's close in a particular area or you're certainly losing in a particular era, area, push it somewhere else. Try and change the direction. Try and change the flow. Um, of the of the fight and, and try and win around in training trying to get and have try not to get in the habit of um just sparring with your opponents because what happens is you'll end up just just competing the round and not really trying to push to win around when you come to compete you have to keep trying to find a way to win all the time yeah i think um you've got to you've got to keep going haven't you um so the final scores for that was a unanimous decision. Cynthia Calvillo, 49. Yeah, absolutely. 46, 48, 47. Uh, yeah. Gaz asked in the chat, does Danny think that Cynthia Calvillo beats Caitlin Chikagian? Mm. I'm going to say no, not yet. Not yet. I don't know. It's, it's, it's so hard to, to, to know with these women. So hard to know. Um, I think they're some of the hardest ones to predict sometimes. Uh, that the sort of like the high at the top top level guys. Oh, oh girl, sorry. Um, yeah. I know like Nunes is a standout and Valentino. I know they're absolute massive standouts, but for the other Outside ones, they're all. It's almost yeah, they're all bottle, bottlenecking. Yeah, it's it's really hard to know, but it'd be a great matchup. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So yeah, we're just going to circle back to that co-main event or the 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 upper card, which was Carl Robertson versus. Marvin Vittori. Uh, yeah. Didn't last too long. I think it was four four minutes seventeen. Uh, submission. Yeah. By a re-naked choke. Uh, yeah, but I liked what I saw. Vittori looks impressive. I thought. Mate. Yeah, very very impressive. But so uh, Robertson looks also looked really impressive. Had a really nice tight form. Um, but you know, he eventually got taken down to the mat, and um, yeah, that 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 must have been frustrating for him. But then they had some nice wrestling exchanges. He managed to get on top uh, of Vittori as well. Um, and then there was a mad scramble, wasn't there? Um, you had an attempt at a guillotine, got flipped all the way over, um, got put underneath, then scrambled back up to the feet again. It was a nice scrambling exchange. It was an erratic uh, first round. I don't think we saw the best of what Robertson's capable of. Um, you know, you, you can't take nothing away from Fattori for for creating the situation that he created to get the win. But um, I feel like Robertson was was better than the performance that he showed 
but again, you know, just to reiterate, not taking anything away from Vittori's uh, performance because he was utterly good. But Robson, Robson, he's impressive to me. Um, he's definitely going to be bouncing back from this. I really like the way he does his stand-up form, nice and tight. Um, I was impressed by his uh, creativity with that guillotine. You know, he was putting a nasty guillotine. He was getting elevated by Vittori, and then he used the cage. He literally jumped up on the cage to create a scramble, which nearly got him mount. He just missed out on it. Uh, Vittori, all credit to him, scrambled up and, and bowled Robertson down again. Um, got in that half guard, didn't he? Kept on landing, landing, landing. I kind of was unsure whether the ref was going to jump in, but I think the ref was good to let it go because a lot of them were hitting the arms, but it's that grey area, you know? A lot of fights would be get stopped because it's not considered intelligent defence. So kind of surprised it, it, it did go on, although I'm glad it did because certainly Robertson was not being hurt at this stage. But once he gave up the back... Um, you know, uh, that rear naked choke was in it, was in good. Uh, but, you know, Vittori definitely kept feeling that, that guillotine. He, he kept wanting that guillotine. He, he touched on it again when he was on that ground in that last little exchange, but it just wasn't there for him. So he gave up on it. He went to that back position and, um, yeah, it was curtains for Robertson thereafter. Indeed it was. And I thought uh, Vittori was very, very impressive. So yeah, like absolutely he was. Uh, you know, see... Where yeah. they go with him next, really? Yeah. Um, got some sensational fights coming up next week, which we'll um, we'll do some predictions for those next uh, in a minute. Um, we've got a couple of questions. Uh, Peaches would like to know, or says the UFC girls need uh, the UFC needs girls outside of Shev- Shevchenko and Nunes. Does the UK scene have any kind of up and coming women? Yeah, um, yeah, the 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 women scene um, over in the UK is a is a little quiet. I think um, the Irish have got a couple of really good females, haven't they? That, that are coming up through. Um, it definitely needs more dressing. They definitely need injection of of grassroots level girls coming up through the ranks. Um, I think it maybe it'd be a good idea to get um, a lot more female matches on the UFC, maybe with even clean zero and zero records, and try to. You know, get create some, get them on the yeah, and and the and get girls gaining the experience literally on the UFC. But you know, Dan is the businessman. Dan is the one that makes decisions on that. I think it'll be good. Um, I think it'll help bolster the divisions and bring more girls up through. Through, uh, I just see that question come up. BST, yes, uh, we have. We got um, Haley Valentine. She she's an exceptional grappler who's learning to strike extremely well as well. Um, unfortunately for her, she's always had to take matches um, out of her weight division. She's tiny. She's like barely over five foot and, you know, walks around at 50 kilos dead and quite often fights girls a good number of kilos heavier than herself, which is which I think is part of the thing that holds back a little bit. There, there are female fighters out there, but the they weight divisions, the weight they're not stacked so. overall. Yeah, they're, they're not of the same weights and. Yeah, it's very, very difficult for them. Um, and the other female, unfortunately, she, she's she's had children now. So whether she'll get back fully into MMA or, I or not. She'll see it as unfortunately. But... Well, yeah, you know, you know for, for the career, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was all a planned, uh, a planned yeah. thing and that. But, you know, when you have a child, you know, it's your life is never going to go back to normal, normal as such. Yeah, it so it's quite a difficult affair. Uh, it absolutely yeah, does. Um, yeah, so Magdalena, she's another another standout. Um, but other than that, no, it's it's quite quiet on the female front. We have um, quite a few female BJJ, um, you know, competitors, but 
not many of them choose to go fully through with the MMA side of things. Okay. So um, let's have a look at the the bonuses for last night. Um, just, so just before I go through these, what would you have given? So you have um, you got what is it? Uh, fight of the night. Uh, finish up. What they? I can't even think what they call them these days. Fight of the. What would you uh, have what? given fight of the night to? Oh, um, I I I'd probably give that to to uh Philly and uh to probably yeah I uh, probably that one that that because that was really close match probably that one or I mean do do you give fight of the night just because there was a really fast really great submission or do you give it because it was a good tear up um for for the tear up I would probably give it to Philly yeah that so, that one was so what they did it's either that one or because the thing is with uh, Marab um. Merab and Gustavo, it was so one-sided yeah. um, overall. You know, he convincingly won each of those rounds. So for me, the fight of the night, where I was always like, "Oh, crikey, this who's going to win this?" I, I really didn't know round by round um, would go to Philly and Jordan. Yeah, I would have gone with that as well. However, they didn't give a, a fight of the night bonus to UFC. Instead, they handed ah. four individual performance of the night bonuses. Uh, okay, so fifty Gs went to. Marvin Vittori for his victory, uh, which right. we just discussed. Uh, Maria Agapova for her rear naked choke finish, which was exceptional. Okay. Um, Christian Aguilera on the prelims, and Tyson Nam for their knockout oh, victory. Ah, nice. So you've got um, a lot of smiley faces. Yeah, I've got to say, the, if I was Mirab, I'd be a bit peeved to not get the yeah, night because that, that was still... Dominate. Yeah, yeah. He didn't finish it, I suppose. So. Yeah, maybe. They won't finish it, but it is what mm. it is, I guess. Um, okay. So next week we have, uh, what is it? Curtis Blades versus Volkov is the the main event Ooh. of the evening, um, which is going to be a very uh, very interesting little little card next week. And then we've got some really yeah. big cards coming up. That UFC yeah. 251 card in, I think it's start of July sometime, is absolutely insane. Yeah. Obviously, we've got Modestus coming up on the 15th of July, yeah. which is going to be a good one for you. You're gonna be, are you going to definitely be there now? 100% going to be there? Yeah, it's all looking good that I am. So I'm going to have to find someone to step in your shoes to cover it. Which I'm yeah, sure I'm sure we'll find there. someone sure we can get someone in so that's not a problem but yeah that's got to be an exciting little uh, experience coming up mate yeah yeah um yeah I have, so i've got inklings of what i might expect but truly um you know i've never been out that way um i imagine this is going to be experience of a lifetime to be out there i would do yeah and i say you know taking your one of your guys for someone you know well and uh for yeah. ufc debut Especially the type sure. of fighter that Modestus is. He's so exciting, isn't he? Um, he's so, uh, very uh, dynamic. Innovative, innovative that yeah. um, if you're going to take a fighter out somewhere like that, like yeah. across the other side of the world and uh, sure. really, really experience something different, then that's the fighter. You yeah. That's the kind of fighter you want to take, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Modestus is great. Nerves to Modesta is like food to a hungry man. He <laughs> seems to thrive off it. He really does. 
yeah, I can't wait. I um, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna hit him up and uh, later on tonight and see if right. he give me like a, a little ten minute interview. But um, I, you might be. Oh, he loves to talk Modesta, so yeah, I'm sure he'll I just think jump to that. He's probably gonna be doing a lot of media and stuff, so he might be too busy. But I'll ask him anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so next week main event: Curtis Blades versus Alexander Volkov. Then we got Josh go. versus Shane Burgess and Raquel Pennington. A couple of other some big names on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good card. On the on the prelims, anyone? Right, we'll stick to the main card for our predictions. Yeah. Uh, so we got a catchweight fight, 160 pounds. Jim Miller versus Roosevelt Roberts. Oh, is Miller past it or not? I rate Miller. I like uh, Rob. I think Roosevelt's uh. real good. Yeah, he is. He is. And you know what? I'm going to still go with the old school guy. I'm going to go with Miller. Mm. I think he's still got he's got some fight in him. What's weird is they're both lightweight fighters. So why do you think they're doing that catchweight? Uh, maybe because of everything that's going on. They've not been training it as much. You can only but think it was that. Mm. Interesting. But, I yeah. Roosevelt Roberts for that one. Yeah. Uh, and then we got a welterweight fight between uh, Lyman Good and Belial Muhammad. Let's go, Belial. Yeah, I think um, he was where I, uh, Belial is where I was leaning towards. Uh, they both fought in um, Bellator as well. They're pretty yeah. experienced. Um, but I'm going to go with Lyman Good. Uh, they call him the American Cyborg. Uh, he's yeah. the inaugural Bellator welterweight champion as well. So I'm gonna yeah. go with I'm gonna go with Lyman Good there um, against your Belial. Uh, women's bantamweight uh, Raquel Pennington versus Marion Reynois. Yeah, I'm gonna go Pennington. Um, that's a tough one because um, I think Raquel Pennington has got potential to be a a real top level fighter. But yeah, she does seem to. I don't want to say fail, but she does seem to not pick up those victories when the big, big. Fight when it matters, is. yeah. Yeah, she'll like she'll have a little streak and then maybe when then the fall trip out, over, yeah. It just doesn't quite get there. I think think uh, the same. However, Marion's relatively um, inexperienced with regards to the UFC. She's ranked number ten. I'm going to go with Marion just for the sake of. Going to the opposite okay. of you, then. Yeah. Co main event is the featherweights. Uh, it's Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos. I'm going to go Emmett. Ranked number nine. Uh, he was in the Ultimate Fighter, I believe, wasn't he? Was yeah. One of the Ultimate Fighter seasons, I think he was. Um, he's fought for a few different promotions. <sighs> so this is nine versus ten in the rankings. So again, I'll go with um, Shane Burgos just for the okay the thing. But I that one I think you could pick either, and you know there's not much in it. And then the main event, heavyweights. We love a good heavyweight brawl. Uh, number three ranked Curtis Blades versus number four. I don't know what rank actually Volkov is, but uh, Alexander Volkov versus Curtis Blade. Blade. <sighs> This one's hard. I'm going to go Volkov. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like, this one's well tough. Someone's going to get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, well, 
think that's likely. Um, mm, yeah, these two, you know, could be over in seconds, couldn't they? By either guy, and that's the thing with those heavyweights, especially these two. They're massive. The punching power is incredible. They yeah, yeah. Very, very quickly. Yeah, they have some serious intensity about them. Oh yeah. Um, I'm gonna go Curse Blades. Um, because out of his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights, um, he's only lost one, and that was against Francis Ngannou. In fact, out of his last eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, so his only two losses in his uh, professional record, both against Ngannou, uh, he's thirteen right. and two. So yeah, I'm right. with Curtis Blades. Um, okay. You can't really blame him for losing to Francis Ngannou because the man no, that's right, yeah. So we'll uh, yeah we'll go with that. We'll leave. Uh, we'll 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 give Curtis the the the, the, the nod from myself. Okay, um, and that's uh, that's the card. That's the bonuses. That's a bit of everything. Nice quick hour of MMA talk. And, that's uh, it. Yeah, I'm glad they're coming thick and fast, and we're getting regular. Regular coverage of you know shows that are running again feels so good. Yeah, definitely. We'll um, we'll do you know we'll touch on some retro stuff as well along the way, but um, I prefer with the live shows to leave the retro stuff and we'll do them as any shows we pre-record. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, sure. when we're doing the live shows, we'll have guests as well next Sunday. I'm going to try and keep it so we're putting the show out on the same day. So I think. If we're going to stay live, then it's going to be on a Sunday, 7 o'clock. If we go back to recording, then it'll be back where it was with Wednesday release dates. But whichever way we decide between us, we'll keep it at whatever. Um, but we are going to keep having guests because I think that's added an extra dynamic to the show, um, having different guys. And I'm going to try and get hold of some other Cage Warriors guys as well, um, some UFC guys. And that brings him in. But, yeah, Oban is uh, going to be joining us next Sunday instead, uh, which will be good because he's always got plenty to say. <laughs> uh, some good fights as well to talk about. And we'll see what Oban's got to say about Curtis Blades and Volkov. Uh, in the meantime, guys, check out Away Day Apparel, awaydayapparel.co.uk. They've got loads of good deals, offers. They, um, they're dropping new designs. And what they do is they're designing I've got their shirt on. Limited. Oh, there you go. Um, they have their club colours, uh, like modelled by Danny there in different uh, different colours. And then what they do is they drop uh, new clothes designs uh, on like a Friday towards the end of the month. And then they'll only they'll, the, the designs are only available for a certain amount of time, whether it's a week or, or whatever. So they are limited edition. Um, so they dropped a new one yesterday and they'll be available for a week or so, however, whatever they decide in there. And then they go, and you can't get them. Um, so it's worth having a look because they have some lovely stuff, real nice T-shirts. Father's Day coming up next weekend. If you'd like to uh, purchase some some clobber for your uh, father or father-in-law, then maybe have a look. And especially yeah, for it's... especially for away day apparel, uh, uh, yeah, Ace Podcast Nation viewers, if you <laughs> use the code. Uh, AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase. You can get 10% off all deals. What were you going to say then, mate? 
it's good quality stuff as well. It's um, not one, the, uh, one of my nicer shirts I've got. The yeah. Materials they use make uh, like uh, environmental friendly as well, which is yeah makes it easier. Yeah, better. no, it's good. Uh, yeah, good good quality stuff. Good quality clothes. Good quality materials. Uh, good for the environment. You get a discount with the code. And the guy who owns it and runs it is an absolute gentleman. And uh, he's really one of the good guys. So uh, check out their stuff. And I'm sure you'll be able to find something that you uh, that you like. In the meantime, uh, Danny, it's been a pleasure. Yes, I. Um, it's a pleasure having you on my bed. I feel more bonded. That's it. You feel even, even it's been a hell of a session, actually. Look, I've had you on my bed with me uh, for, for our first session. And also, I'm having a comeback career against a famous footballer, Andy Campbell. How about that? What, a, what an hour. What, what did you get that anywhere else? And, uh, I would dare say that that is the first time I've ever lasted an hour in bed. And on that note, <laughs> I bid you all farewell. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. And, of course, all the people who watch afterwards and uh, download and everything. I know this one, this show is particularly popular on the audio download. Thank you for that. I appreciate you all. Come join us in the live show on a Sunday because uh, we'll have a good good crack and a good chat. And uh, we'll talk some MMA. And uh, we also have a boxing show launching next week with uh, myself and Shane Watson and special guest to be announced on social media probably tomorrow. But uh, we'll see. And, uh, Monday, Such a tease. Monday, <laughs> 7.30. Andy Campbell show live every Monday. Tomorrow's guest with myself and Andy, former Manchester United midfielder, Champions League winner, Mr. Jonathan Greenin. So join us, because that is going to be a fascinating show as we talk about his career. He's also plays for Nottingham Forest at the moment. So that's current footballer as well. Uh, but yeah, cheers, Dan. No, thank you, Si, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Oh. Nearly forgot. Follow the uh, the new Danny Batten Fight Show social media pages at Danny Batten FS. Uh, give it a follow. Spread the word because we've tried to separate the content just to help MMA find, fans find the MMA stuff and the other stuff. Yeah, awesome. See you all later. Take it easy. Podcast Network.